This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi everyone, it's Alice Cash from Weekly Woman and welcome to the show this week. Today we have a very interesting lineup. We are talking about Women's History Month, which is this month, this March. Uh, And then we're talking to a woman who is making strides in Canada to become Miss Canada, which is pretty amazing. So we're talking to her later. First, we have to give it up for our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS, the only supplement on the market to help relieve your emotional PMS symptoms. This supplement is produced by a woman-run company and is the only clinically tried supplement on the market for the emotional side of PMS. Just think if you could stop all the stressing and those anxieties that accompany PMS. It's totally possible with a supplement you take once a day. Learn more if Jubilance is right for you at jubilance.com. We all know that March is the month of women. It's Women's History Month, a time to celebrate the powerful and incredible babes who've shaped the way of our future. But did you know that Women's History Month is a relatively recent celebration? It actually all began as a local celebration in Santa Rosa, California, a small enclave in Northern California. The Education Task Force of the Sonoma County Commission on the Status of Women planned the first Women's History Week in 1978. They chose March because on March 8th, it's International Women's Day, which was adopted for observance by the United Nations in 1975. There were different presentations given at schools in the area, there was an essay contest, and a parade celebrating women in downtown Santa Rosa for the week. With the first successful jubilee, the week of history spread throughout the neighboring towns. Then, in 1980, the National Women's History Project, led by a group of women's clubs and historians, lobbied for a national holiday. It was then in February of the same year that Jimmy Carter, president of the time, issued the first presidential proclamation, creating the National Women's History Week. When Jimmy Carter signed the week into law, he stated, From the first settlers who came to our shores, from the first American Indian families who befriended them, men and women have worked together to build this nation. Too often women were unsung and sometimes their contributions went unnoticed. But the achievements, leadership, courage, strength, and love of the women who built America was as vital as that of the men whose names we know so well. It wasn't until 1987 that Congress passed publication L-100-9 that designated the month of March as Women's History Month. The National Women's History Project, now called the National Women's History Alliance, creates a theme for each year. In 2021, the theme reflects on the difficulties of these tough times, as well as historical significance of women's suffrage reaching 100 years last year with celebrations on hold because of COVID. So this year, they've declared the annual theme to be Valiant Women of the Vote, Refusing to be Silenced. Celebrating Women's History Month is a way to open up the conversation about our past and women who've changed the world, which we do every week on our podcast. Managing my stress levels. I take on way too much, I do way too many things, and every year I tell myself I'm going to do less and less. But I always seem to not meet that goal every year. I've removed no stress from my life. There is um, too much to do. If you're also trying to remove stress from your life, the only thing that has helped me immensely more than anything has been jubilance. 
Uh, this PMS supplement <laughs> is a lifesaver and most of the stress that I have to deal with is on my period and it helps me keep my cool, find my peace, and deal with my stress and manage it better. But now that I have a jubilance to help me with all this stress, I was able to get everything I need to get done. I am not overwhelmed and I can finally put this all away and just enjoy what 2021 has to bring. Hello and welcome, Euphelia. Um, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Alice. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and so um, we kind of start off with some like rather easier questions, some like kind of fun ones. Um, mm -hmm. So if you could choose your favorite word out of the dictionary, what would it be? I think uh, my favorite word out of the dictionary would be resilience because right now I think we're living in a time where resilience is more important than ever. And uh, only with that trade can we get through today and become a better version of the world or ourselves in the future. That's really wonderful. I think I need a lot more of that resilience. Yeah, don't we all? It's been a tough year. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, what have you been up to in quarantine? Have you watched any fun TV? <laughs> Yeah, um, I think uh, I've obviously been like a lot of other people been binging on Netflix and I've been really enjoying documentaries on Netflix. I think they're really well made. And one of the shows I've uh, been watching is called The Social Dilemma. So it's called a documentary. It's a documentary and it narrates how uh, um, social media shapes us these days and it made me more aware of um, the decisions I made let's say going on Twitter Facebook all these things that you know cause major events this year right and I believe will be even more um, you know prevalent in our lives in the coming years um, and that how, how these platforms kind of can shape how we think and I highly recommend that to everyone who you know, is interested in social media or it has been on social media for a really long time. Wow, that's so interesting. I've heard it's really good and very interesting. And as a social media manager, as a job, I'm a little nervous to watch it, to be quite honest. Right, right. Um, I think it doesn't matter uh, which side of social media you're on, whether you're the consumer or you're the, the one making the products. It's generally nice to have a holistic view of it to get, mm -hmm. I guess, to, to, you know, to know everyone's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And can you talk a little bit about your story? So what are what have you been up to during quarantine? And um, you, you told me before this that you're living in Vancouver right now. Um, what have you been up to? Um, in the beginning, <laughs> not so much. Uh, I live in Toronto. Um, I went to school in Toronto. Um, I did my internships in Toronto. So I'm very familiar with Toronto um, and coming back home for the first time as an adult. So after adulthood, I would say it's a little bit strange. Um, I'm living with my parents right now and uh, I've kind of developed um, a co-existing or a co-living schedule with my parents um, that I really enjoy and the dynamic that I've never had before when I was a kid. Um, so I think spending more time with family is definitely one thing I've been doing. That's great. Yeah, I was doing the same thing in California with my parents, living with them for the first time as an adult. Um, and it was actually really nice um, to 
be with them and because I feel like we don't we we don't ever have this time with them and so the pandemic has kind of forced us to all be together which is kind of wonderful and in a strange time of year exactly yeah I agree yeah um can you tell me what is your favorite part about Vancouver uh where you grew up I think the best part of Vancouver has got to be the nature. Um, Vancouver is pretty well known for its uh, mountains. It's close by to the ocean. So um, anything like activities like hiking, going to the beach, um, you know, whether skiing or uh, winter sports, summer sports, um, if you like to be outdoors, then Vancouver is the place for you. Oh, that's amazing. And how is it different than Toronto? I know Toronto is like such a big city. Right, right, yeah. Um, I think the major differences is that uh, Vancouver is a lot, uh, in terms of nightlife, um, it's a little bit less um, than that of Toronto's, um, but in terms of nature and activities, it's a little bit better. So I guess you could think of it as the Canadian version of New York City and LA. Or actually, not really LA, because LA is pretty fun too. So maybe somewhere like, I don't know, like San Francisco or San Diego. Um, but Vancouver is definitely a bit more mellow. It's toned down. It's great for retirement. Um, if you're a young person like me, you probably would get bored in a month or so. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned before this that you're going to be a part of Miss Canada for the next year. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm super excited. Um, Miss Canada 2021 um, is coming up. So uh, we did the finalist elections last year in 2020, I believe um, even before the pandemic. Um, and it was supposed to happen in March of this year. So 2021, um, which is next month. However, uh, due to the pandemic and I think situations in Montreal, which is the location that they'll host, host this year's event at, is not doing too great currently so they've decided to push it back to i believe uh june or july um it's a four-day event for the finalists and um i in terms of logistics i think it's it's difficult for everyone it's difficult for the candidates and it's difficult for the, the, the host um but just being able to have an event, um, just being able to have Miss Canada 2021 is already a blessing to me. Um, so I'm super excited. Um, we have a Facebook uh, private chat in which all the girls are super friendly. They, um, you know, we have Zoom meetings every week. They send us um, Christmas letters, New, New Year's letters, which makes me feel super loved. So overall, it's a great tight community. Wow, that's amazing, Euphelia. And can you talk a little bit more about how you got started in the pageant world and how did you come to be like almost Miss Canada? All right. Yeah, so um, it is a long story. Um, I actually started my, um, I guess, pageant career, uh, not doing actual pageants, but more of a, a singer. So um, I really like to sing. So I did a lot of singing auditions and singing events. Um, uh, where they hired me or I would uh, just go to like a friend's concert or like a friend's event and sing for them. And I think uh, if you go to these types of events, you end up um, meeting a lot of past pageants or a lot of, um, I guess, scouts. Um, so I think I was approached by uh, one of the scouts 
uh, for 2020. So it was Miss World Canada. And uh, that was in 2020, uh, which is a different pageant from Miss Canada. Huh. Uh, so I did, I did that one in Ontario. Um, I became a finalist for Miss World Canada Ontario, um, which happened in 2020, despite social distancing, um, was carried out. And I think once you start doing a pageant, you become a lot more comfortable with yourself. Um, you realize that, you know, no one's perfect. Um, you don't need to be a supermodel to compete in a pageant. Um, it builds up your confidence and, and it urges you to work on yourself better, whether that's through, you know, talents or professionally or just in terms of body image, you know, building a stronger you, which are all very unrelated to being a supermodel. And that's <laughs> something that they're looking for anyway so I think that's a great motivation that kept me going into this pageant journey wow that's so interesting and so cool um really my knowledge of pageants comes from Miss Congeniality which I love that movie but probably not very accurate um, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about the four days of Miss Canada and what those events sort of look like yeah, so uh, it hasn't happened yet. So uh, we just have a tentative schedule. Um, they place the girls in uh, hotels and uh, we would, I guess each day has um, different events that we attend to, whether that is, uh, I guess, public speaking or um, they would like each of the girls to have, I guess, a, uh, a philanthropy, um, what they want to improve. If you were Miss Canada, what would you want to do? For Canada. So um, mine is financial literacy. Um, I really am passionate about uh, engaging more young adults, um, men, women, into planning for their financial future. And I don't think they teach that at all, if any, in school these days. Um, as we all know, like the online trading scene this year has been pretty crazy. And I think that's a built up of, you know, um, people my age in the early or late 20s, um, not having enough financial literacy and not being able to properly execute, you know, their desire to trade or their desire to handle their finances and now blowing up on Robinhood, which is a platform that kind of makes, has a very easy consumer interface for them to trade. So now I believe that if had the school system taught us, you know, more early on about financial literacy, then a lot of people would be making smarter financial decisions. Um, so that's my philanthropic event. And in terms of second, third days, I think networking. Um, and I also do believe that they have galas. Um, we do shows. So there's different three or four pieces of clothing, um, swimsuit, gowns, etc., where they judge us on different criteria. So that's a general breakdown. Wow, that's awesome. And how did you start getting interested in finance and, and your philanthropic outlook? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. Because um, I do know that um, not many people actually talk about financial, financial literacy and pageants. Um, for me, I majored in economics. Wow. And I really enjoyed my courses. Um, I'm actually studying for my CFA level one upcoming in this May. Um, I also interned, all my internships were in finance. Um, I worked for um, some of the largest uh, Canadian banks. 
um, during the summers and my co-ops as well. So that's how I got into the industry. Oh, that's awesome. That, that is definitely something that everyone needs help with. And like you were mentioning with the trading right now and Robinhood, um, it would be so helpful to have that financial literacy and so crazy that they don't teach it in schools right now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, it sounds like you have an amazing platform that women really need to hear and everyone needs to really learn about. So break a leg and good luck at Miss Canada. All right. Thank you so much. I will. Yeah. And then one thing that we always ask on the podcast is what is your definition of womanhood? My definition of womanhood, um, that again is a very good question. I think it's very difficult to answer and um, I really admire people who, who know exactly what their own definition of womanhood is because I believe that most women in this world actually do not have a very um, exact definition, um, such as myself included. Um, I think my definition of womanhood first got inspired, uh, like many of us, by our moms. Um, how we watch our moms work, how we watch uh, our moms, you know, cook, uh, study, eat, etc. And my mom is an amazing person. Um, she, we came from an immigrant family, um, so I'm Chinese um, and immigrated to Canada when I was um, in elementary school. So back then, my mom had to work two jobs to support our family. Um, and uh, now she's in her 50s and still uh, studying a bachelor's, which I think is totally amazing, um, on top of her two jobs, that is. Um, so my definition of womanhood was inspired by that, and it consists mostly of hard work, um, diligence. Um, I think that having a little bit of, um, I guess, emotional resonance or sensitivity and vulnerability is very important in our lives and um, being able to express ourselves. Um, I don't really like to uh, stigmatize difficulty because I think that's something that we all go through. So if we just filter ourselves so that we only show our highlight reels every day, like um, our social media pages, right? Like our Instagram page, um, our Snapchat pages, then we kind of stigmatize difficulty. And the more that we talk about it, we more have a dialogue about it, um, the more progress we can make as people and as, you know, like a society in general. And that's, I guess, my definition of womanhood. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And that's and really why I like to ask that question is that everyone has a very different definition and can't figure it quite out uh, because it's constantly changing. Uh, right. based on our experiences, based on our like day that day. Um, but I, I love your answer about your mom and how you found womanhood first from her and her hard work uh, and scholar, scholarly study even now, which is amazing. Thank you, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, what an inspiration. Yeah. And uh, if you had one piece of advice to give a woman that you just met on the street, like, a sentence or two, what would you say to them? Uh, any woman that walked up on the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or it could be a friend. Okay, um, uh, great, yeah. I think I would tell them to, um, to, you know, it may sound really cliche, but self-love is very important. 
um, I would tell them to love themselves because you're the most important thing in life. Uh, you, um, you know, nothing materialistic. No other person is more important than yourself. Um, so believe in that and go love yourself. Yeah, I think that's wonderful and something we all need to hear right now. Resilience and the self-love. Uh, yeah. I think that's perfect. Thanks, Euphelia. Thank uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to our listeners today? Um, uh, not so much, but I do recommend all of the les uh, our listeners here to go watch The Social Dilemma. Um, I think I've changed a lot as a person and I've changed my daily habits engaging with social media after watching the documentary. So if you have the opportunity, go watch it for sure. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, perfect. It was so nice getting to talk to you today and good luck at the pageant and your future pageants. All right. Thank you so much. I definitely will. Thank you. Thank you.